Welcome to Shedding Light Hunting Stories Podcast, the podcast dedicated to the average Joe and their hunting stories. I'm your host, Travis Williams. You're listening to Episode 8. Do you want the bad news or the good news? Don't know if you've ever heard anybody ask you that question, but it's kind of a loaded question. You, you always want good news, but sometimes there's bad news that, that we have to hear. If you've been hunting for any length of time, you've had both stories. Uh, you've had some bad things happen, and you've had some good things happen. And those bad things, uh, maybe they were just lessons that you had to learn and you had to do it the hard way. Um, I had one of those situations come up whenever I was uh, probably about 15 years old. My dad told me to uh, go out the ridge, out uh, to the woods, and get down into this little cove because the guys were about to do a deer drive. And so I, I grabbed my muzzleloader. It was already loaded from the season. And I thought I was done hunting, but I uh, my dad woke me up early that morning. And it was actually before church. So I ran out the ridge in my excitement, got out there, and I got into this cove. And basically, if a deer came to me, it means that it kind of had gotten out of the drive, and uh, I was I had I had free reign to shoot whatever I wanted. And so I could hear the guys kind of hooting and hollering as they had started. And uh, all of a sudden, over the top of the ridge came this ten point buck. And this ten point buck, he thinks that he's made it through. You just kind of see it from his demeanor. He's been running, but now he kind of slows down his pace and he slowly walks over and he thinks he's good. Well, I'm on the other side of this brush pile and I, I pull up my gun and I get the scope right on him and he just keeps coming, coming, coming and he stops broadside, twenty yards. And I think to myself, here it is. Here is my first big buck. So I pull back the hammer. I look through my scope, put the crosshairs right behind the shoulder. I pull the trigger and I hear click. I thought, oh no, what just happened? And the deer just looks at me. So I pull the hammer back again. And I look down the scope. Click. I'm like, you have got to be kidding me what's going on so I, I open up uh, the gun take a look and uh, pull back the the bolt and I look and I did not put a cap in my gun now I don't know if you know anything about uh, muzzleloader hunting but if, if you don't put a cap in the gun there's no boom and, and so this deer slowly walks away and I'm trying at this point I start to shake I had held it together to this point and I'm shaking trying to get the cap and I drop the cap and I get in the cap I put it into the in back and put it into where it goes and I put the gun up get the muzzle up pull up the gun look through the scope and the deer just slowly disappears over the top of the hill he just walked out of my life forever and I look back at that, and I just, I still remember it as plain as day. You wish sometimes that you could forget things like that. But I want to tell you, ever since then, I've never forgotten to put a cap in my gun. <laughs> you know, it's funny how hunting can just kind of teach us to learn from our mistakes and to learn that we are not perfect. There's no such thing as perfect hunters. Um, if you get on social media, you see these guys that kill these deer all the time, or even on TV shows, you see these guys that kill deer, and it seems like it's super easy to set up on the edge of a field and the deer come running, or maybe it's an elk and they bugle once and the, the elk come running but what they don't show is how many times they've they failed uh, most shows and most uh, celebrities and things like that they don't show that um, but the reality is you know uh, we make mistakes and that isn't just in the hunting woods you know in your life you've made mistakes uh, the bible is going to say in romans for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of god we wish we could be perfect we all start out innocent i believe 
But somewhere along the lines, we make some dumb choices. Um, you go back to your high school and college years, you probably made some of those choices like I did. And um, sometimes you feel the guilt, sometimes you're just kind of naive. But whatever the case, we're all in that boat. And we wish that we wouldn't do certain things. Even now, even now as you've maybe gotten older, you still make some bonehead decisions and you wonder why you do it. But I think what God wants us to know is that he loves us. Uh, through his son, we have his grace. And there's nobody perfect. Even if you go back to the Old Testament, if you look at all the list of like the famous guys in the Old Testament, uh, Moses, Joseph, David, uh, any of those guys, they were great leaders, but each one of them made some terrible decisions. Uh, Moses had an anger issue. Joseph had an ego issue. David had a murder and adultery issue. <laughs> um, but they were great leaders in God's eyes because... After they made the mistakes, they realized it, uh, they turned to God for guidance and help. And I, I think that's it. Uh, I think in our lives we've got to get better at uh, realizing, that, hey, we're not going to be perfect. We need to quit acting like we've got it all together and depend upon the God that, that's going to guide us through all of that. So uh, once again, hunting relates to everyday life, and I hope that you can learn from some of those things. That said, we're going to go ahead and get into our interview today. Um, before I say that, I will say, if you've uh, subscribed to this or you've shared this, I really appreciate that, especially if you've left a review, um, any type of positive feed like, feedback like that, I just really appreciate. Uh, not necessarily for my ego, but more so just so more and more people can listen and can enjoy, and we get more of an audience and hopefully get some more stories. And um, once again, if you have a, sh a story that you'd like to share, sheddinglightod at gmail.com. Send me that story. I'll get in contact with you very quickly, and we can set up a time, hopefully, to talk. Um, I will be collecting some turkey hunting stories, and we'll have some turkey uh, stuff. I'm, I'm getting excited for that. But anyhow, I quit my rambling. We're going to get into uh, our story today. Uh, we have a young lady named Ariel Druchel, uh, and Druchel, I, I messed that up already. Ariel um, is from Pennsylvania. I saw her on Instagram, and she's into all different kinds of hunting and fishing and just loves the outdoors. And I think it's really cool. Just I think girls have always been involved in hunting, uh, but it just seems like more and more they, they have an interest for it. Um, you know, you see a lot of things on social media and girls getting involved, and I think that's a good thing for for uh, the sport, and um, she has some great stories, some, some stories where it didn't go so well, and some stories where it did, and uh, I can only hope, I've got a two-year-old girl that loves to shoot her little uh, plastic bow, and uh, if you follow me on Instagram, you saw there she went out in the backyard there a couple of days ago or a couple of weeks ago and tried to shoot with her little plastic dart a deer that was in my backyard. And I just, I hope that she likes to hunt. I'm not going to force it on her, but I hope that she really one day does enjoy hunting uh, as much as what Ariel does. So that said, we're going to go ahead and get Ariel here on the line and uh, I hope that you enjoy this podcast. All right, I am with Ariel Druschel. Uh, Ariel is from Western PA, uh, lived there most of her life, loves the outdoors, and she's been hunting since she was 16. And uh, just want to say, Ariel, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited. Yeah, it's good to have you. I, I noticed you uh, found you on Instagram, and your account over there is She Hunts PA in Ohio. And since I live in Ohio, uh, close to PA, I thought that would be good just to kind of reach out. And uh, it looks like you've been doing a lot of uh, ice fishing up there. Yeah, so we are actually finally getting some good safe ice, um, you know, safe enough that we feel comfortable to be on. Um, we're finally getting good ice, and we are involved in a uh, hard water tournament series, uh, Western PA hard water series. So our first tournament, finally, after it being canceled due to lack of ice and weather, um, is this Sunday. So we're super excited because it'll be the first one at my home lake where I'm close to. 
So it's super exciting. The first of hopefully what we'll get the last three more on top of that in. So okay, so look forward to it. So you look forward to the cold weather whenever it gets like really icy. So you can go out and do that. Yes. Yeah, I know. It's, <laughs> it's terrible because everyone's like, oh, it's too cold. I'm like, what are you talking about? We need colder weather. It's got to happen now. <laughs> yeah. So tell. I don't know much about um, ice fishing. Uh, how does a tournament like that work? I, to me, I just you go out, you cut a hole in the ice, and you try and catch a fish, but I don't, I've never done it. So for any of our listeners that are like me, what, what's involved in like an ice fishing tournament? Um, is, it, is it like it sounds or is there more to it? Um, it is pretty much like it sounds. Um, it is definitely a very friendly competition. I will say for whatever reason, um, ice fishing, whenever you are on the hard water, you meet so many, uh, friendly people that are willing to share information, help you out. It's just like a whole new environment, um, on the hard water. Um, but there's team, it's a team event or you can fish by yourself. Um, we do different series for it. So there's different events where it might be held. And we will, you know, travel kind of each uh, tournament location. Um, basically, you can go with by yourself or with a team, like I said, um, and you fish for the 10 biggest panfish. So bluegill, crappie, perch, um, you're, all, you're targeting all the panfish, and you're basically just having a good time out on the ice, trying to find where the fish are, get them to bite, um, and then check in for a weigh-in at the end of the day and just kind of see what everyone else is catching. Um, it's a good day on the ice, bad day on the ice, no matter what, it's always super fun to be in the tournament or just fishing for fun oh that sounds awesome well that's very cool i'll, I'll keep up to date with your instagram and check that out and see how you do i hope you do real yeah. well yeah. thank you <laughs> hey, i mean you got some big fish on there bigger than what i've ever caught you know fishing whenever it's not ice on the water so that's pretty cool <laughs> <laughs> i love it look forward like i said look forward to the cold weather and uh lots of clear ice yeah well cool errol tell us a little bit about yourself uh what do you do there in pa um i work full-time as a leasing agent i'm gonna do the marketing as well for an off-campus housing apartment complex um, located near one of the um, state colleges here uh, in slippery rock Um, so i do a lot of the event planning um, social media stuff giving tours trying to um, get people comfortable with living off campus and trying something different to um, call home Oh, very cool. So I'm sure that keeps you busy. And uh, it looks from, once again, just all I know about you is from just Instagram. looks like you do have time, though, to, to squeeze in some other types of hunting. So how how did you get into hunting? So how I got into hunting, so I was raised in a family that, I come from a family of hunters. Um, my family, my mom, my dad, they all hunt. Um, my siblings, uh, my one sister doesn't choose to hunt, but she likes to fish. Um, and my brother, he was real big into hunting. I had always wanted to try hunting. Um, my papap had passed away whenever I was very young. I was about 13, uh, maybe 11 or 13, whenever he passed. Um, so at that time, my dad, um, when I was too young to go out hunting, um, he passed away before I could have the chance to go with him or my family. Um, my dad kind of got out of hunting after that, so I didn't really have the opportunity to go hunting as I wanted to, just kind of fishing. Um, then I met my now husband um high school sweethearts we met at 16 and he comes from a big family of hunters as well so he really got me introduced to actually physically going to try it out um and since then uh it's definitely been my passion um you know I love absolutely everything about being in the outdoors hunting fishing hiking um so I will say he was probably my biggest influence to kind of give me that opportunity to go out um but it's funny because my dad actually 
um, recently in the past couple of years, he's come out of retirement, so to speak, <laughs> hunting, and he's gone back out. So it's really fun. My uncles and I, we all go out. My dad, my mom, we'll go out now hunting um, for rifle season together. And it's really cool um, to be able to share what, you know, my dad learned growing up from his um, dad and kind of passing it along down the way to me. And hopefully someday, maybe, you know, future um, kids, anything like that. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. You know, I, I think that's, there's a lot of hunters out there. You see a lot of like do it by yourself or do, you know, solo hunters out there. But for me, that's kind of my experience growing up though, is it's a family thing, getting your family involved. And uh, my brother and I, we still get together and hunt and those, I enjoy hunting by myself, but being with family, you know, that's, that's, that makes it kind of special. I think it does. Absolutely. It's definitely a great family tradition. Um, and I would love to continue to pass it along to people as well. Yeah. Well, Ariel, let's let's get into um so this this the series to remind our listeners we're talking about the bad news and the good news. So we have some stories where maybe, you know, maybe it's not necessarily bad, but it was a learning experience and it didn't work out real well and then we have some where maybe it did. So let's let's go ahead and start with give us the bad news first. Give us a a little bit of that. What where when's the time that it didn't work out super well? So, um it's I'm actually super excited that you kind of reached out to me to talk about this because the bad thing, I mean, I've had several encounters where stuff just didn't work out. As we know as hunters, not everything works out as you hope and plan for by any means. Um it's all part of hunting, but um recently this past year, um if you've seen on my Instagram too, I have tried something new. I faced my fear of muzzleloader hunting and mm-hmm. um I was always for whatever reason, timid to shoot one. Um, I guess the flash kind of always scared me. Um, and I faced my fear of doing that, shooting one of those last year. And then this year I kind of struck out bow hunting. So I wanted to try and muzzle or rifle hunting, but I wanted to try muzzleloader hunting. So on a whim, I just decided that I would, um, want to start it. So I'd started practicing. Um, I was super excited. I was able to, I started out with a long rifle, um, and was trying with the round ball. So that was exciting. Um, I was doing really good with that. Um, so I wanted to take that out. Um, I ended up taking that out and everything kind of aligned. First time I took it out um, to our camp, uh, my husband was with me when we were there and I did have the opportunity to shoot at a doe um, with it. Um, for I don't know what happened. Um, it went off, but we never did find her. We tracked, looked for tracks, everything. We found some fur. Um, but it was like a white fur. So, um, thought maybe it was a clean miss, um, was a round ball. So I don't know. What would your, sorry, what would your range be on like a long rifle like that? So that particular deer, um, was probably, I know personally, I, with a muzzler being new to it, I probably would not take a shot anything over even like probably 50 yards. That's my own personal preference. Right. Um, I would say that's even too far for myself. Um, so definitely the closer the range. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I had shot, we went back, we looked, um, turned out, I think maybe the angle that I was at and how steep it was, everything like that. Um, I think it was just a clean miss, um, unfortunately, but so I struggled with that. Um, then I decided I wasn't going to give up cause I've been on a deer quest since archery season. <laughs> um, I missed a doe, a buck during archery season that didn't work out. Um, rifle season, nothing aligned. I never saw anything legal. Um, so went back out again, this time with a muzzleloader that I had just purchased. Um, cause I finally wanted my own. So <laughs> my husband kind of wanted his, uh, his long gun back. So, um, he was hunting with that. 
again, two of us went out. He kind of put on some drives. I was super excited to try out my new gun. I had shot it in. I was doing amazing groups of it. Um, I finally had some deer coming to me as he was pushing and putting on a drive. And once you know, lined up perfectly. There was a buck at, I range finded it at 12 yards. It wasn't legal. <laughs> so uh-huh. all I could do was stare at it, um, watch it go. He kind of just started coming closer and closer to me. So I was bummed about that, but stuck it out a little bit longer. Um, more deer started to come through. I had three does come up to me, same right, same place, 12 yards away. Had a, everything lined up. I made sure that everything was, you know, intact, um, that it didn't get wet, anything like that. Um, had the three does come up. I kind of gave a little like mat at it to make like that sound to get them to stop. They stopped perfect broadside. I went, I had a good rest on the tree, was waiting for the perfect broadside shot and I clicked and it didn't go boom. So I got to experience the heartache of the click, but no boom with muzzleloader hunting. Oh Um, man. And that was really frustrating and heartbreaking because I finally, you know, after continuing to go out, kind of being skunked, um, not sealing the deal on some things, um, finally had them come up and that happened. Um, It didn't make a spark. um, It didn't hook. So um, it was something with my flint. Mm. Um, So that was heartbreaking. All I could do was kind of just stare at them as they ran by because when I tried to adjust everything and clean out the touch hole and kind of make sure that the flint was intact, um, they ran off. So <laughs> that was super upsetting to see. Um, my husband eventually met up with me and asked, you know, hey, did anything come through? And I said, well, I've always been told that muzzleloader hunting is very hard and challenging. And the fun of it is not is knowing if it's going to go off or not. And I told him that I had my first experience of it not going off. <laughs> oh, that, that is heartbreaking. There's nothing worse than that sound. You're, you're expecting, you're bracing for the big boom and you hear pap or whatever. You didn't even hear that. You just heard like the click. So yeah, yeah that I, is awful. I learned too during muzzleloader hunting too. Again, I was with my father-in-law. Like I'm telling you, the muzzleloader hunting season for me was so rewarding but challenging. Like I'm not upset that any of that happened at all because I know that um, muzzleloader hunting flintlock that is expected. Um, and it definitely made me learn a lot. Um, I was with my father-in-law and again had some does come out. Um, I pulled the hammer back and they heard the click of that. So oh. I learned that you know not as easy as people think and I'm learning that firsthand but it's definitely been awesome and rewarding and I'm looking forward to it again to try to have redemption yeah Um, and just keep trying I'm not going to give up oh that's that's a good attitude especially with the muzzleloader I think there's probably not a guy out there that hasn't experienced a situation where you know the muzzleloaders are just finicky even the new ones you know I've seen guys where they just don't always go off the way that you think that they would a little bit of rain a little bit of moisture maybe oil from the time before and it's just one of those things but whenever it does come together it is just it is awesome it is exciting anymore there's gun season in Ohio where you can use a shotgun or a straight walled rifle I'll use a muzzleloader during that just because it's to me it's it's more it's more fun it's more exciting just having that one shot uh, you know that one shot and the 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 excitement of will it go off will it not um but when it does come together you know just even being able to get it to go off when you shoot is like the most like satisfying exciting feeling so yeah 
And the other thing I've noticed about muzzleloaders, uh, maybe this is just me, but whenever I shoot and I miss, which has happened a couple times, the deer don't run like shotgun season. They will right. stipic, They will for some reason. There's something about a muzzleloader and that smoke. They like to stop and stare at you while you try and nervously reload. Um, yeah. And then just as you're about to put the cap in, that's when they take off. That's been my my. Yeah. <laughs> I've had that happen so many times, uh, or at least the times that I've missed where they just. Oh yeah. I've been told too, like they'll just, they're almost kind of confused by it. And even the sound, like they just don't know what's going on, but it's crazy to me. My husband told me after he's like, yeah, I forgot to remind you. Like I've had deer where they hear they're like kind of nervous, um, but they'll hear the click of the hammer going back and they're spooking. I'm like, yeah, I never would have thought the simple pulling of a hammer would have been enough to spook them to run off before I could even get a shot. Yeah. Well, I mean, the the bad news, you know, that that happening, but you were very close to deer. I mean, that's 12 yards is super close. You probably could have thrown your gun at one of them. I mean, that's that's very yeah. close to, to get in. So that's bad news, but exciting. At least you had an encounter close, you know, to some deer there. Absolutely. All right. Well, great. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, is, any other bad news stories you want to tell, or do you want to slide over to the good news now? I think that's a lot of it. Uh, my trials and tribulations of the muzzler, that's been the most recent um thing weighing on me i guess as far as the bad um but nonetheless like i said it's all been great i've not been upset or spiteful that it happened um just makes me more excited for next year at all yeah all the more rewarding when it when it comes together so i'll be excited to hear about that i hope i hope next year muzzleloader it it goes goes a little bit better so let's let's go ahead let's go ahead and hop into some of the stories of the good news where things did work out yeah sure so um one story that immediately came to my uh head whenever you had mentioned about the good, the bad. Um, my personal one, it's actually kind of probably one of my most favorite hunting experiences ever. Um, just once I get into it, I'll explain why it was so special to me. Um, but it would be, I'm a, as I had said earlier, I am definitely a big waterfowl hunter. Um, I love to goose hunt, duck hunt, snows. Um, I hunt them all, my husband and I. So we are real big on the waterfowl hunting. Um, we have a trailer with a bunch of decoys. We'll do field hunting as well as on a boat. Um, so we do either option. Um, before work, this would have been a few Decembers ago. So not this past December, but last December. Um, it was around Christmas time. Um, luckily, on my way to work, I can take a couple different routes to kind of scout where we have permission to a private farmer's field. Um, so I was doing that often before work. I would drive by scout for the weekend coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, so the one day my husband said, Hey, why don't you swing by, um, the farm on the way to work, take the long way and see if you see anything. So I'm driving on my way to work, you know, beforehand. And I, as I approached the field, I saw sandhill cranes, which for whatever reason, they're very prominent around this area. Um, there's a specific area around here where they just, they just come to it. I don't know why. So I love sandhill cranes. That's my target bucket list hunt. Um, so I was admiring all the sandhill cranes in the field. I thought that was really cool um, to see them up close and personal. But within the sandhill cranes, I noticed a blob of white. And I knew immediately, which isn't very common in this area, but I thought to myself, I don't remember them having farm geese around here. <laughs> so I immediately tried to like, do a couple loops like people thought I was probably crazy driving around like stalking this farm um, but I didn't have binoculars so I was trying to get a better look from the road um, as to what these white specks were I didn't know what they were um, as I got a little bit closer I did notice some black on their wings so immediately I'm thinking to myself 
these are snow geese. Like there are snow geese by our house. This is happening. Like they are here. Um, <laughs> so I called my husband. I'm like, Hey, I think I see snow geese. I don't know. He's like, well, what do they look like? And I'm explaining to him. I'm saying, you know, does the farmer have any, you know, does anyone around here have farm geese? And he's like, no, I've never seen them. He's like, I think they're probably snow geese. Um, so we had decided that later on that night, um, we were going to go and watch the field to see if they were there, or if anything was flying over. So we took a drive over, pretty much stalked, you know, put set out um, in the evening next to the barn and just kind of watched the field, watched to see if anything took off, anything like that. Um, sure enough, we did identify that they were snow geese, which we were super excited for because we always go snow goose hunting. Um, but that's out east when they're migrating through to the refuge. Um, but I've never personally seen any in our neck of the woods. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so we decided, okay, tonight we are going to set up in the middle of the night. We are going to try to get everything lined up. We're going to get the blinds all brushed in, in the field and just wait. Like we, my husband went over real early in the morning. Like it was probably like two, three in the morning to start brushing in blinds. Um, at this rate too, it was a monsoon of rain. Like I don't, mm. it was one of those weird years where it wasn't snow, but it was, leftover snow with a bunch of rain and everything was just muck and cold so bless him he went out and um set up little blinds was there forever we came over um myself and another friend we came over later um before sunrise to help finish setting up all the spread um so we're what, what kind of uh, what kind of blinds are you guys using what, what's your your typical setup there um so we use layout blinds um when okay. we're field hunting we will do regular layout blinds um if there's no snow, we'll brush them in with like corn stalks or um, any kind of debris that we find laying around, um, mud them as well, so they're not as uh, vibrant. Um, that field specifically, it's hard to brush in because there's really nothing to cover you at all. <laughs> so we had to be pretty crafty about it. Um, but we'll do the layout blinds. Um, we also have an A-frame a frame blind that okay. we use well, but not particularly at that field. Um, so we had set everything up, we're laying there, pouring down rain. It did not stop raining the entire time we were hunting. Um, all morning long, after we had already like set up all the decoys, all the socks, everything, um, just soaked, soaked in, soaked in rain. Um, so we were laying there waiting and we saw a couple uh, Canada geese flying. Um, they took off and everything. Um, we were just, we decided to just wait. I think it was probably around nine or 10 o'clock we saw a flock of Canadian Canada geese coming and they were flying over. And then sure enough, we look up and there was the white specks flying in the air. So we knew we were like, okay, no geese are still here. They haven't left. Um, we got super excited. Uh, we started calling at them and sure enough, they actually started to look at our spread and were, you know, interested in checking it out. So um, we started calling even more aggressive at them to let them know that, you know, basically come on down. <laughs> There's friends here. Um, so we kept calling at them and they started to turn and we're starting to cut towards us. Um, so they started coming over and sure enough, we got them to lock and commit to our spread and we started to shoot at them. Um, we dropped two out of the five that were there. Um, I think we probably had some super excitement of missing shooting <laughs> should have been a little bit more accurate, but we dropped two of them. Um, my husband has it on GoPro. It wasn't a very good video of them dropping because we got so excited, but um, we dropped two of them and we just screamed and ran at them. Um, it was like hitting the lottery for us. So close to home. If 
finally getting our first snow geese after hunting them a couple years. Um, and we actually dropped a lesser and a greater, which was really awesome because we primarily get the graders around here. Um, so it was really cool to see both of them um, and get one of each. Oh man, that's awesome. That just, it makes me want to go out and, and I, I don't duck hunt or geese hunt. I've, I've only, my only experience is I went with my wife's cousin one time. They were out in the field goose hunting. I was supposed to be filming their hunt. They have those nice blinds that they're down, down in and they're all tucked in nice and cozy. And I think the, the high that day was about five degrees. And so I didn't have that. And so I laid out in the field and tried to cover myself up with stalks to stay warm. It, that's my only experience with this. So that, that sounds, and we didn't get anything. So that, that sounds like a pretty awesome uh, day of hunting there. It was so awesome and exciting because we, you know, like that, it literally was every, the stars aligned, everything worked out. And it was even more rewarding um, because I had scouted them. I found them, we went back in hopes on a whim that they would come back. I mean, birds are unpredictable <laughs> snow geese are super unpredictable um and for whatever reason they stuck around for a day and we were able that you know it just everything lined up it connected perfectly um and it was just so exciting that that finally happened um it was right before christmas too so it was like one of the most amazing christmas gifts that we could have gotten <laughs> um and of course we took them to the taxidermist so oh it was awesome christmas <laughs> That was really cool. So what do you think, you know, um, not being like an avid uh, goose hunter or anything like that, what what led to the success of that? If there's anything that you could kind of point people to that helped you get on them, uh, was it just the scouting or do you, what, do you think maybe your decoy set up? Uh, what, what, what helped you guys get those? So I would definitely say that scouting is like the biggest thing when it comes to waterfowl hunting. Um, they aren't kind of pattern or patternable was that would that be the word as like deer would be or um turkeys they are so unpredictable they can be there one day and then they're gone or there's hundreds of them so i scout all the time um before work um i'm i work till after dark so i can never do it after dark um my husband will go or i'll go before work i'll drive about an hour or so just to go look to see if there's it's worth coming out um so i highly recommend scouting and just kind of knowing the area and being familiar with it. Um, I know sometimes it's hard to, um, especially public land, to find areas where they're they're out all the time. But if you're familiar with the terrain and what's around and, okay, they might be feeding. There's a couple farms around here. I've noticed that they might be feeding in that field. Like, it helps to know your area as well as scouting um, because you're going to want to, you can kind of almost predict that, what's around here for them to feed or what's around them to roost at. You know, if, if they have water here, um, they're probably going to roost there. or They might come there during the day. So that helps. I just recommend always scouting and definitely knowing your area and the terrain to kind of get very familiar with why they would want to be there. Mm, that's, I think that's solid advice. You know, I think within, it seems like it always comes back to scouting in most species that you're hunting, regardless if it's deer or if it's turkeys or geese. It's it's It seems like that's what it always comes back to is knowing the animal that you're going after, knowing where they're going, and, and you know, trying to catch them in between is is the best tactic. So Absolutely. Well, that's awesome. Well, good. Well, thank you for sharing that story with us. I appreciate it. Any yeah. other, any other uh, good stories, or is that the main ones you had, had today? Um, That's probably my main one. I mean, the the only other one would probably just be like reminiscing back to my first, um, well, I guess probably my first deer, really. I mean, my first buck, 
Uh, that was really exciting. It just happened to come out perfectly. Um, it was actually spotted down below me, like a couple hundred yards and it, for whatever reason, it just decided to come up towards me and there was tons of people out hunting and it came right to me. Um, perfectly broadside. That was, you know, super exciting to be able to share your first, um, rifle buck, especially, um, as well as my first archery buck. I mean, the first year I ever shot with my bow was a buck and I was actually hunting solo. So that was really rewarding and exciting. Um, just knowing that everything fell in place for that and that I was able to, you know, that was a quick morning hunt before work. So it was just, you know, whenever your time is limited to go out hunting and you try to make the most of it, it's definitely super exciting whenever stuff works out in your favor. Um, you know, that you, you're able to fit in what you can when you can. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Um, let me, let me shift gears just for a second to kind of, uh, as we finish up here, Ariel, um, you being a, a girl that is hunting, um, what's that like? I, I'm not a girl. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> what's it like being a girl hunter today? It seems like today there's, there's a lot more than maybe in the past, or maybe I was just oblivious to it, but, uh, being a girl in the hunting world, what's that like? Um, and what would you say maybe to try and encourage other girls to get involved? So I will definitely agree with you. There's definitely, I've noticed a huge increase in women um, going out and hunting and trying it, um, which is super awesome. Because when I started hunting, I it was like kind of uncalled for. There wasn't really many girls that I went to school with that hunted, or if they did, they went with their dad um, and they didn't go often. So I've noticed that there's been a huge influx of ladies getting out there. Um, what I recommend to anyone, and I know it's difficult for Um, there might be ladies that want to get out there, um, but they don't have the means to do it or they don't know somebody I've noticed like myself personally. Um, I was raised in a family that of hunters, but I didn't have the means to go out, um, until I met my husband. So I know, I think that's a lot of the case with a lot of women is that they either learn to go out with their, um, spouse or their boyfriend. Um, so I just want to encourage women, like you don't have to have a male to go out with. Um, I know sometimes it's hard to try to find somebody, but I would encourage women to, if you're interested in doing it, to look at your options, even if it's starting to talk to people and getting to know, you know, getting permission from someone or just trying to, you know, just ask. Um, People are full of knowledge and hunters, especially, I think, are so um, interested in helping others get involved um, because I think hunting is all about tradition and passing it on to people. So if we don't continue to uplift others and help them learn the ways, um, then I would worry that it would eventually fade out. So Mm -hmm. myself personally, if I ever have women or people that are asking about it, I try to tell them all the advice that I can or how they can get started. Even if it's maybe they want to practice shooting a bow, go talk to your local bow uh, shops and just start doing the ranges. Or if you want to join like an art 3d archery club, um, my biggest thing would be to not be timid or fear away from it. Um, just because you are a female. Um, there are so many people out there, so many guys that are like so excited that ladies want to get out there as well. Um, that they are super helpful and that they would love to be able to share what they know, um, to get other people involved too. So my biggest advice would just be, don't be timid about it and try it out because you'll probably pick up a new habit (laughs) and a new, um, passion or something and, that you're going to just love forever. 
And you'll probably be better than most guys at it, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> <So> <laughs> it's just something about when a girl puts her mind to doing something like that, you know, she usually outdoes the guy. And and I think, you know, I think, uh, fortunately, I do think that that has gotten better. There's probably a time when maybe it was frowned upon or it was just, it was kind of the, the weird thing to see a lady hunting. But I think today more and more yeah, you see... You see more ladies hunting, and I think it's a good thing. I really do. I think it's especially as you look at just the numbers of hunters across the U.S. You know, from 30 years ago to now, the number has dropped, and so I think we need anybody and everybody. And I think there's a lot to be learned there. So I think that's good advice. And the last thing I'd say too, to kind of go along with that, is the beauty of the internet is you don't necessarily have to have somebody to take you out and show you all the time. There's so much that you can learn from forums. People could probably reach out to you, uh, you know, and talk to you about, get some advice. And I think that's, that's solid. You know, that's, that's a good way to start. There's people that I've met through like different, like shows that I've gone to trade shows, events where I've met some pretty awesome women that have said, I didn't come from a family of hunters. I just wanted to, figured out myself. So I started researching it and learning it. And I think that's like the most awesome thing that, you know, teaching yourself that is incredible. And you don't have to have, you know, some, you don't have to come from a family that does it. You don't have to have somebody to teach you. It's great if you have that assistance, but you can absolutely put your mind to it and figure it out and teach yourself everything. There's so Mm -hmm. many resources and people are always willing to help and um, give their input. So I think everyone uplifting everyone is a really incredible thing. Yeah, absolutely. I think we need that. Ariel, if uh, maybe some ladies want to, or some guys even, uh, want to ask you some questions, is it okay if they uh, talk to you on Instagram or anything like that? Absolutely. I would love that. Okay, so she hunts Penn, Ohio, right? Penn underscore Ohio? Correct, so, yeah. She underscore hunts underscore Penn underscore Ohio. It's a little okay. length. <laughs> there you go. So if you want to reach out to Ariel and ask her some questions, I'd, I'd encourage you. Just what I um, what drew me to Ariel on Instagram is the fact that she hunts a little bit of everything. Um, so that's just really cool. So she's got fish going right now. She's got the geese, the deer. So that's really cool. So thank you for being willing to do that. So And also, uh, Ariel, thanks for coming on the show. I appreciate you sharing your stories with us. Yeah, thank you so much. Like I said, it's, it's fun to talk about stuff that you love. So I'm super excited and thankful that you reached out to me because this was a really great time. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as what I did. I, I enjoyed sitting down with Ariel. She was a great guest. Just love her passion for all different types of hunting and fishing. I learned some stuff about goose hunting and ice fishing there. And, um, hey, do me a favor. If, if you know a girl that might be interested in hunting, uh, go ahead and share this podcast with her. It, it might pique her interest to know that there's somebody out there like Ariel that just eats it up, loves it, and might get some more people in the woods, which I think would be a win for all of us. Um, you know, we're losing hunting numbers like crazy, and we need more people that are interested in it. That way it doesn't go away. That way those that are uh, in government don't try and shut it down. And so I would love to see some more ladies get involved, including my wife. Uh, my wife has told me she has no desire to go out and hunt. But the other day I asked her about, what about turkeys? And she said, I might be interested in turkey hunting. And I, I'm just going to count that as a win. I know some guys prefer to use hunting as a way to get away from their, their spouses. Um, and I do enjoy my time in the woods, I'll say that. But I think it would be kind of neat to go out on a turkey hunt with my wife. And uh, she's a pretty good shot, so... We'll see how that all pans out. But anyway, thanks for listening to Episode 8. Hope you'll come back for more. Hope that you'll subscribe, share, and all that good stuff. And most importantly, I hope that you will remember to shed the light.